Lord, we thank you for this time. Would you allow your word to be magnified that we might understand you more clearly? Calm us, Father, that our minds might not be focused on anything except you. Remove me, Lord, so your people can hear and be encouraged. Encouraged to live in the midst of a world that is challenging, but we have a joy that rises above any challenge. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Imagine it was just a couple of months ago. You was getting close to December 25th. You had spent a lot of time preparing for the kids. And if you're a kid, imagine that you were an adult. Imagine that you were a parent and you had children. And as Christmas Day arrived, you brought out the gifts. One gift each for your three children. Decorated it, have it looking nice. It's presented in a fashion where the kids should look at this gift and be like, dang, mama spent some time wrapping this. Present it right before them. <laughs> and then the one kid looks at the gift and says, what my sister get? Another gift, another kid opens up their gift, sits it to the side. Last gift is opened by the third kid, and they begin to laugh, not understanding why you would give them this gift. How would you as a parent feel? How would you feel in that moment as you were trying to think knowing the uniqueness of your child, what they would like, and actually what gift might help them flourish. It is easy to see yourself in that position as a parent, even if you're a child, to imagine the sadness that you might feel. But God feels that constantly when his body does not act and flourish in the spiritual gifts that he gives us. Today we are going to examine gifts, not simply physical gifts. We're going to look at spiritual gifts. We have been kind of operating in this series called The Foundations, where we as a church are establishing what are the building blocks to be able to be a thriving, successful, in God's sight Christian. What does it mean to walk with the Lord and to do that humbly? So we've been walking through what are the foundational aspects of that. And this week we will talk about spiritual gifts. But I got to give you a little bit of background before we just dive into the text. I got to give you a little bit of the history so you understand what's going on before we just jump into this man named Paul who writes about spiritual gifts. This commentator named Tony Evans says the book that we're going to go to today 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can start moving your finger over towards there because that's where we're going to be today, verses 1 through 11. It says, Corinth was a city that was a perfect location for trade. It was the commercial hub. All types of gathering were happening in this city. It was only four miles across. But you had on, on one side of the city the Corinthian Gulf, and on the other side you had the Syrianic Gulf, and it was the trade capital. If you're coming from the north, the south, the east, the west, you got to go through this hub. 
It was a a city that had been rebuilt by Julius Caesar and then taken over by the Greeks. And unfortunately, the Greeks had this worship of a woman named Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was known for her, uh, let's say, intimate gatherings. And so these activities would take place in this city that is very diverse, this hub and This place is known for some debauchery. It's known for some immorality. It's known for some activities that that are not reflecting and celebrating God. And Paul spends 18 months there. It's actually the place that Paul has spent the most of his time outside of Ephesus. He went there on a missionary trip and he establishes a church Right in the midst of all this craziness. Now, if you don't know, like I might know or I might not know, like, you know, sometimes when people get saved, they don't just leave everything that they had from their previous life outside the church. Sometimes the craziness of your life, when you get saved, you put that backpack on and you bring some of that baggage right on in the church with you. And so you can imagine this Corinthian church is dealing with some crazy stuff. But one of the most intense things they're dealing with is this diversity, crazy diversity within a church. And diversity has the time and opportunity to reflect the beautiful aspects of God, but it also has great potential to bring forth division. Diversity. And so in this city, Paul establishes a church and there is some issues. Now, Paul is going to kind of seem like he can't keep focus. I know what that's like. I can't keep focus. I don't know if I have ADHD. I don't even know. But, but Paul in this book, he's going to jump around from topic to topic to topic to topic. And it's going to seem like he's just like going crazy. But, but Paul is stepping into, into mess, a God-centered church, but with mess. And if you know mess, mess ain't neat. Mess is sometimes tough to pinpoint. If you walk into a, a relationship and somebody asks you to mediate, let's just say a, 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 a marriage that's struggling, or let's just say uh, uh, two friends that's arguing, or let's just say two sisters that haven't got along in months, and they bring you in to mediate. It usually goes a little something like this. I don't like her because I let her use my car and then she didn't bring back no gas in the car. And, and also, she was mom's favorite. And this one time, I loaned her some money. And like real mess, it's tough to pinpoint. It's so many layers to the messiness of it that it takes time to actually speak to it. And so Paul, in his first four chapters, is just trying to solve fights. Fights among the people that have all been chosen by Jesus. Chapter one through four is him just trying to work out quarreling among them. Chapters five through 11, though, Paul exposes immoral behavior. Okay, y'all not fighting, but y'all acting in some ways that don't look nothing like the church. Y'all behaving in some ways like you still got that old baggage and you're not supposed to have that baggage because I've set you free from it. But yet y'all are bringing that in the behaviors of the church. 
And so 5 through 11, he exposes that. And then in chapters 11 through 14, he focuses on what does it look like to worship? Worship, this this term that simply means to, to celebrate God, whether it is privately or corporately together, worship. And so our chapter, chapter 12, is settled within worship. It's going to seem like it's talking about just the world. But remember, this is a conversation that's happening where Paul is trying to speak to the church so that they would understand worship. Now you should be at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Those first three verses. In verse 2, he says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Pagan behavior as it related to gifts is something that we today can relate to. Because you see, pagan behaviors are gifts that you begin to get attracted to because they look nice. Because the gifts are, are shiny or because you see certain gifts and don't have the proper understanding. So he says, I want to make sure that you're not uninformed and get the wrong thinking of gifts. Because prior to Jesus, it seems like y'all had some stinking thinking and it's starting to surface within the church. Here's one of the ways that we, we mess up our thinking of spiritual gifts. We begin to see spiritual gifts as something that we should use to compete with one another. Oh, he think he can serve. Okay. Okay. You shovel three driveways. I'm going to shovel four and go out and serve me. You know, we, we begin to see gifts as something that actually is an environment of competition where what you have is, is kind of making me feel a little bit more insecure. So now in order to respond, I should be one-upping you. Spiritual gifts can be an an environment of of competition. It also can be one where we doubt that God has given us a gift at all. Where we look and, and we say, because I don't see the gift that I would like, God didn't give me anything. 
You see, pagans respond like that. Pagans respond with the thing that I want, God will give. And if he doesn't give it to me, then this God isn't a good God. and He's given me nothing. A, a means of controlling God so that the gift that seems the most shiny is the one that you deserve. And then lastly, pagan connection to to gifts flows when I don't see the valuable gift that God has given you. Where there's a breakdown of community and the oneness that we're supposed to have, the beauty in unity actually crumbles because I see your gift as a threat or I don't see your gift as valuable at all. You see, he's trying to expose right out the gate that gifts with the wrong mindset can actually jack up a church. Spiritual gifts, when we have our own motivations and desires, can actually mess up the heartbeat of the church. But I love the beauty of the good news. Because when you say Jesus is Lord, that we find in verse 3, all of that gets an opportunity to be recentered. Look with me in verse four. He resets all of that. He says, just in case y'all wanted to have some different (laughs) preferences. Maybe you want to say that Aphrodite hooked you up with this or another God hooked you up with this. Let me reset so that you know from where all of these gifts come from. Verse four. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. This is a beautiful example of God's sovereign hand showing you that he is at the root of all gifts that are given. And so whether it is service, whether it is action, no matter what it is, we should be seeing our gifts as equal. Equal equal. I remember for some time, I, uh, I, I didn't believe that I had a gift because the gifts that I saw were all so um, external. I thought the only true gifts in the church were preaching and singing. And I wasn't planning to do either of those. So I was just going to be an usher. Sorry for all of our ushers. I ain't, I ain't dogging no ushers. Anybody help me out. I'm just saying those were the only two things that I saw because that was what was up front. That was what was right in your face. That was what got the most applause. And so somehow in my mindset, I saw a gift as something that I needed to be able to demonstrate and receive much accolades and attention from. But God's sovereign hand first has to reset all of our minds that no matter what gift you have, it is no less than anyone else's, but also no greater. No less than anyone else's, but also no greater. But notice what he says at the end of verse six. He empowers them all in a couple people. He empowers them all in the people that's really holy. 
He empowers them all and the people that's over six foot. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> no. He empowers gifts in everyone. 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 We had the opportunity to watch within this church family adults get saved. And adults give their testimonies from up front and be baptized. Doing child dedications, weddings, uh, and baptisms are some of the like high points of my, of, of, of my pastoral opportunity. But also, we've watched children give their testimonies and get baptized. Gifts. Soon as you say, with a heart that is sincere, Jesus is Lord. God imparts gifts unto you because he imparts the Holy Spirit unto you. Immediately. So now there is a stinking thinking thing that's happening. Pastor Eric used to say that a lot. There's a stinking thinking thing that's happening when if you for some reason think that you don't have a gift yet you love Jesus. And if we can be honest, some of us have been conditioned to believe that conditioned, whether it was somebody that actually physically, verbally told you, you ain't nothing. You just like your mama. I don't know why you're here. Somebody that actually said those types of words that cause pain and makes it tough for you to hear this loving God that's trying to say, I care, I love, I'm here beating on your heart trying to get you to hear that they love and desire you. This God believes in you, but somebody might have let a lie creep in. Or maybe it's a lie that you've internalized yourself. As you've allowed your life to be based on the rhythm of other people. All my coworkers have achieved this. My friends have achieved this. These people on TV or social media, they achieved it. And, and look at me. You see, these lies can creep in and those lies can lead us to not believe that God has empowered us, us, us all with gifts. Because if that's true, then verse seven is is false. Verse seven says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. That means that the Holy Spirit is showing off himself in you in this world every time you operate in your gift. So if you don't have a gift, we're saying that the Holy Spirit ain't in you. And there couldn't be anything further from the truth. When you believe that Jesus is your Lord. So now the question is, what does it look like for the Lord to be dancing in your life? What does it look like for a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life? What does it look like for him to be able to be expressed and it be for the common good? See, the common good reminds us of the mission of the church. The common good ain't about me. The common good ain't about the church. 
See, the common good is what happens when the church operates in our giftings and we're blessing one another, loving one another, being kind to one another, operating in these different gifts that I'm going to get to in a second. When we're operating in these things, the world will see it and the world will be blessed by it. The common good is what happens when God's church is on fire. And we are operating in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit daily and the world is impacted. The world is blessed by it. But it means that we've got to be able to see each other as complementing each other. As our gifts help each other to actually thrive. I can't do it all. You can't do it all. We can't all be thriving in the same gift. It's beautiful that he gives us different gifts. Because if we all can sing and nobody was good at administration, we'd have no heat, no gas, no bills paid. But we singing, singing to Jesus. Colder than a mug, but we singing to Jesus. In the dark. Come on, Edith. Ain't nobody. Come on, brother. I love that. <laughs> I remember we, um, we, were, we were here at Harvest Party two years ago. And this, this sister I was talking to, her, so I invited her to church. I said, hey, you know, we'd love for you to join our church. Like, come check us out. She said, well, do y'all have a choir? I said, yeah. Or, no, sorry, I'd have been lying. She said, do y'all have a worship team? I said, yeah. She said, okay, well, can I sing? I said, well, you know, can we talk? She said, well, I want to I wanna lead because the church I'm at, I sing in the choir, but the pastor has his favorites. And his favorite is his daughter. And so I never get a chance to sing like I want to because of the pastor. And in that moment, like, God reminded me of some some ickiness that happened in my heart years prior. As you guys know, Pastor Eric used to be the lead pastor before I was lead pastor. And there was a weekend where I remember being like, man, why? Why does he get to preach all the time? And Why don't I? And I remember like not not an audible voice, but God just saying to me, son, this gift I've given you. You use it to my glory and my glory alone. So there's a a women's uh, discipleship program that helps people get out of addiction. And they've called you and said, anytime you want to preach, come preach. There's a there's I can start listing four or five ministries where God was showing me if you want to preach, you can preach. But you know what the real issue was? The issue was I I wanted y'all applause. I didn't want to use my gift. I really wanted attention. You see, nothing can stop you from using the gift God has given you except you. It's not a certain environment that you waiting on. It's not a certain people you waiting on. If you want to sing and the pastor ain't let, go on the corner and sing. Somebody need to know about Jesus. There's a hospital with people hurting that would love to hear a gospel song today. Go sing about Jesus. See, see, it is us that can stand in our way of being used. And the Holy Spirit is like, I'm trying to work. Let me work. Let me work. Let me work. Let me flow through this body. Let me bless y'all. Let me see y'all bless one another. Let me see y'all thrive. 
Let that manifestation of the spirit flow. There was this, this illustration that, that came up uh, by this man named Gary Enrig, and it, it, it helped me from a physical understanding get kind of this spiritual truth. In this, in this book called Life in His Body, it says, uh, seven, several years ago, two students graduated from the Chicago Kent College of Law. The highest ranking student in the class was a blind man named Overton. And when he received his honor, he insisted that half the credit should go to his friend, Cass Prizak. They had met one, uh, they had met one another in school when the armless Mr. Cass Prizak had guided the blind Mr. Overton down a flight of stairs. This acquaintance ripened into friendship and a beautiful example of interdependence. The blind man carried the books which the armless man read aloud in their common study. And thus the individual deficiency of each was compensated for by the other. After that graduation, they planned to practice law together. What does it look like, y'all? What does it look like when I don't, I don't see anything in you as a deficiency? I see it as actually something beautiful that compliments me and I get to compliment you and we work together as one, not allowing our diversity to bring forth division, but actually make us stronger in unity. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. Continue with me in verse 8. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. So here we go. There's a a variety of gifts given, and this is not an exhaustive list. There actually is not an exhaustive list because God is not bound simply by these lists. You can find uh, more expressions in Romans, also in Ephesians 4. But a, a, a message of wisdom is somebody that has spiritual insight regarding practical applications for Christian principles. Somebody that has like, and understanding, and they say, like, they'll read God's word and be like, oh, this is how we're supposed to live that out. Some people just get that. Some people just look at God's word and clearly understand what it means to go live that out in their lives. And some of us, like me, I read it like nine times. Like, sometimes it takes a second for me to get it. Others have that, that, that gift, that, me- that message of wisdom. Others have faith. This is not a saving faith. It means a a, a mountain moving faith where you trust in things that will happen, even though it seems like all challenges and circumstances are against you. We're grateful for people like that. And don't be jealous of people like that. You wish you could be like them. No, you got a beautiful gift, too, that they need. And they they, we all wish and we had one another's gifts. Faith is a beautiful thing. Faith can also, though, if you are strong in that gifting, allow other people to feel like their faith just is poor. Oh, you ain't trusting God for that? What's wrong with you? Where's your faith? You see, when you have these giftings, any gifting 
can be abused if we don't pause and allow it to be rooted in the beautiful, fruitful uh, fruits of the spirit that God offers us. Patience, kindness. Amen. Amen. You got uh, gifts of healings. Some people, uh, we, Rebecca and I have a, a, a close friend uh, when we were uh, in Boston that was from India, and some of the healings that she would tell us about just blew our minds. I personally had never seen something like that, but her walk with Jesus was so sincere, I didn't question it for a second. Just because I haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't occur. And I actually still pray for some of those things, too. Miraculous powers. You, you looking like like. So I make I make fun of. I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I struggle with people who are televangelists on TV and they say, um, buy this prayer rag and and it will heal you of this. I struggle with that because it to me is too formulaic. At the same time, you look in Acts chapter five, like people were being healed so much that folks start like laying the sick and hurting on the street, just hoping that when Peter walked by, his shadow would heal him. Like, I don't I don't want my mind to be too small about God where he can't do something that's a miracle because a miracle means it ain't normal. But I also don't want to control God to say, give me $20 and I can make that miracle happen. Where you're 20, I got change. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't let these gifts be. Let's, let's have a healthy understanding of God moving outside and beyond our expectations. Prophecy. It's not, it's not fortune telling. Prophecy is declaring God's acts, declaring God's power, declaring God's love and grace in a particular situation. Prophetic people, you, you are unique in that there's some vision and hope that you have. It's like this mixture of hope and faith and trust that is powerful and mighty that some others may not have. You actually don't just believe something. You can actually see it's like not see the future, but like you visualize something coming to pass. I think our previous pastor was that way. He had he would he would think of something, see it and march towards it. Encouraged me greatly in that aspect of prophecy. I, I, I appreciate him for that. But sometimes prophecy can can be so strong that when other people don't see that same vision, we can move forward without them or steamroll or push or make others feel like they're not as valued. So we have to, if you have that prophetic gift, have the spirit of the fruit, the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> That'll work too. Spirit for, all right. <laughs> but I, I, I want you to have a, a, a little sense of gauging, though, the difference between talent and gifting. Because talent and gifting are not the same. Here's, here's three ways that you can um, kind of understand the difference between the two. And there's a gentleman whose name is um, Jay. What was his name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank y'all. <laughs> Wow, prophetic. <laughs> Thank y'all. Um, 
Talents are inherited. Gifts are received. Talents are inherited. Gifts are received. There's a family in football called the Matthews family. I I came to know them well because I'm from Cleveland. And in Cleveland, Clay Matthews was the son of a football player. And his son ended up coming into this family probably had. Let me look on here. Um, they had seven members play in the NFL, 25 Pro Bowls, 11 first-time All-Pro selections, three Super Bowl appearances. I mean, you pretty much, if you didn't go to the NFL, you like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> there, there, was, there was natural talent that was inherited. You, you can understand that. Gifts are not given based on your old daddy. Or based on your mother, there's not a DNA trait of strength, a DNA trait of prophecy, a DNA trait of of hospitality that that no God chooses who gets what gifts. My uh, my wife's family plays a lot of instruments. I take that back. Everybody in my wife's family plays an instrument. Everybody. So we come to the family gathering and she tells me like, oh, it's it's like it's kind of cool this time. We like we just chilling, enjoying each other because usually everyone brings an instrument out the car. Granddad passes out music and we all start jamming. And all I could do is. That's all I got for you. <laughs> but you see, her, her granddad was a um, band leader, band director. Band. Yeah, band director. And grandma taught. So like all of them, all the way down, like everybody has inherited to some degree an ear for music and plays music. And that's a beautiful talent. It's not a gift. Second, talents are possessed uh, by saved and unsaved people. But gifts are possessed only by the saved. You see, you can have a beautiful voice, go to lessons, work on that thing, get it right, and not love Jesus at all. You can have a great talent of singing, but you can't have a a hospitality heart and hospitality at its root does not simply mean like setting up things so that it looks nice. Hospitality at its root means to welcome all people that they would feel cared for, that they would feel love, that they would feel as if they are known in that moment, that they may understand who Jesus is. You see, The gifts that God gives are so that you would be able to see him more clearly and be drawn to him more. And you can't do that if you don't love him. You can have beautiful talents that we still think are God given because all things come from God. But it's but it's not a gift. And lastly, talents can be used selfishly, but gifts are to be used to serve God and his purposes. I um, I didn't know what my gift was for a long time, and I was envious of others. It was uh, 
a, a friend who explained to me what hospitality was that helped me realize my gift of hospitality. He said, like, hey, Leon, you know, the, the goal of hospitality is that a stranger would feel welcomed in and would want to know Jesus. And he said, man, when you talk with people, people feel like nobody else is around. They feel like you are dialed into them and that they have your undivided attention. And that's, that's just a gift. And then I started playing back my life. And I'm like, dang, that makes sense now. Like when I go to the grocery store, my mom used to be really mad at me. Because I like stopped and talked to the dude that's asking for 25 cents. I talked to the cashier for a while. I know her kids' names. You know, the boy's playing hoop. I'm out there talking with them. Like a 15-minute a, a trip to the store is like three hours long. And then God blessed me with an amazing wife, a wife who saw this, this gift. And, and you ain't supposed to bring up your past, but like women before her would be annoyed by me because I'm talking to other people. And they're like, would you just hurry up? Would you just hurry up? And yeah, sometimes she wants me to hurry up, too. But, <laughs> but what I loved was that she saw in me this desire to connect with people and she let me flourish in it. Afterwards, she wouldn't be like, dang, what took you so long? She'd be like, how'd that conversation go? Tell, tell me about them. That's how I knew, brothers. When you see something unique, you better grab her. That's how I knew. Man, God, you brought me something special in my life. Somebody helping my gifts to flourish. But See, that's how we're supposed to be for each other, not by spouses, but by just being church family. I want your gifts to flourish, that God might be closer, that we might know him more, that the common good, the person that doesn't even know Jesus might say, man, thank you for taking that extra time with me. Why would you do something like that? Well, let me tell you about the time that this God has taken with me, his patience, his mercy, his love. Family talents are something that uh, is beautiful and God-given, but gifts Those are unique for us to be able to see God's glory flourishing here within community to bless the common good. Look with me at the last verse, verse 11. And all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The term empowered is is an interesting term. Empowered means to, to give you an ability to, to, to give you the strength you need to do it, to help you with the strength you need in order to achieve your goal. But empowerment also means to give you authority. So now I'm giving you an ability to achieve this goal, but I'm also giving you the authority to go and do it. See, I love that God doesn't give us gifts and make us robots. He said, I'm going to give you this gift that you might be able to flourish, but I'm also going to give you the authority to choose where you use it. So now we humbly submit to this Holy Spirit that's trying to jump up out of us and and express himself. 
but be wise enough to to allow it to flourish within this family. The beauty of this is, is that it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It took me some time of asking other people what my gift was, and some folks shared it with me. If you don't know your gift, uh, my sister Betty has blessed us with some trainings in the past, and we're going to try to do some trainings in the future that can help you understand gifts a little bit more so that you can uh, have a chance to just be welcomed into what that is. Oh, Big Johnny? Can talents and gifts be the same thing applied in different contexts? Um, let me go back and look at my list to think of how a talent can be. So I'm trying to think of a gift of healing, not in the Christian realm. Okay, no. Let me, let me think. Help me understand. Give, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I would say that. Yep. I think the difference is... Um, uh, networking, so motivation matters as you think of giftings. And if you're, if my gifting and and one of the um, uh, one of the commentators basically said that like you can have a talent, but if it's not empowered by God, it it does not bring forth the glory that God intends. And so, yes, yep, but it is networking. That's not hospitality. Because hospitality has an end goal of people experiencing Jesus. Networking has an end goal of me getting ahead, even if it means I'm connecting people to do so. It can still be like a virtue that somewhat imitates the kingdom. And I think all good virtues imitate God. But there's an end goal and a motivation that's different with gifts than talents. But uh, yeah, good point, brother. And he wasn't doing anything crazy. Some of y'all knew people like, he's talking in church. Nope. Like, we, we are the type of church that if you have a question, we want you to raise your hand because we want you to leave encouraged and equipped to live out this thing, to live for Jesus. We just ask if it's a question that's like more for you, that's a little bit personal, you come talk to me afterwards and we'll, 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 we'll definitely chop it up. Yeah, lastly, I just want to make sure that we get that like this God wants us to be able to, to choose to worship him by using our gifts to bless one another and care for the common good. He empowers us in the same spirit. And that a, 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 an authority that does not choose to use your gift actually allows your gift to go to waste. Like this is the Holy Spirit in you ready to flourish. And when you say, no, I'm cool, you're wasting opportunities that God has where he wants to bless this body, bless this world, care for others. This last illustration helps me to kind of wrap my mind around the the need to use what God has given us. This great violinist named uh, Niccolo Paganini willed his marvelous violin to Genoa, the city of his birth, but only on one condition, that the instrument would never be played upon. It was an unfortunate condition, for it is a peculiarity, peculiarity of wood that as long as it is used and handled, it shows very little wear. But as soon as it is discarded, it begins to decay. This exquisite, mellow-toned violin 
has become worm-eaten in its beautiful case, valueless except as a relic. The moldering instrument is a reminder that a life withdrawn from all service to others loses its meaning. Family, let that not be our story. We we tucked our gifts away because we were scared or because we thought somebody else's gifts was better than ours and we couldn't use it or because we were too arrogant. And so who, who dare tell me when to use my gifts? I'm going to use my gifts when I want to use my gifts. Family, let our gifts flourish here, knowing that God gives them all to us how he desires so that we might be able to encourage one another, bless one another, so that this common good, so that the people out in this world will see that there's a holy God that loves them. If you are one of those people who struggle today and say, yeah, I, 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 I don't know about this God. I don't believe this God gives gifts. If you knew my past, if you knew what I've been through, if you knew what I've done, you would see that I, I squandered all authority that he ever gave me. We want you to know that this God loves you so much that he can separate your worst sin, your worst past experience. He wants to provide a a new creation. That's the beauty of this, this first Corinthians book. In the midst of all this craziness that these people do, this immorality, this fighting, this backbiting, Jesus says, and I'm going to make each of you a new creation able to reflect me, able to, to show my glory, able to put my spirit on display. That opportunity we offer you today as we are, are extending the hand of the Lord unto you, saying, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, today you can choose to walk in a new manner, be free from sin, free from any bondage to sin, and walk in freedom in new life as a new creation. If you would like to take us up on that offer, that opportunity, we ask that when we're having our time of communion, I'll be standing over here. Just feel free to come up and say, Pastor, I want to live for God. I'm not sure of how all of that works, but I want to live for Jesus. We will walk with you, care for you, and support you as you grow in Christ. We'll be taking communion next. Uh, Let me pray for us. Lord, would you allow us to Let these gifts flourish here. We know that they already are flourishing and we are grateful for the way you're using your gifts in your people. But some of us have hindered your your gifts flourishing at their full magnitude. Free us up. New persons to longstanding members. Free us up, Lord, that we might be used by you. It's in Jesus name we pray.